Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Country's an embarrassment in the world. This is this is an individual actually thought that when people held arms during the games that they were doing it to honor the flag. That's delusional. And that's pop in a nutshell. Never one to mince words. Of all the strong commentary over the past few days, that may have been the strongest. And he said a lot more, which we will get to and share with you later. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. God bless you, Pop. Coincidentally, we've got a game tonight featuring America's team. Uh, and America's pastime saw a major record fall earlier today. And later, can Captain America keep rescuing the Patriots? But first, one of the biggest sports stars in America, unfiltered on You Know Who. The thing that, that kind of frustrated me and pissed me off a little bit is the fact that he's now, he, he, he used sport. He used the sports platform to try to divide us. Sports is so, it's so, it's so amazing. No matter the, the, the shape or size or, or race or ethnicity or religion or whatever, it brings people together like none other. I'm not going to let, while well, I have this platform, to let one individual, no matter the power, no matter the, the, the impact that, that he should have or she should have, um, ever use sport as a platform to divide us. I salute Colin Kaepernick for being as powerful as he was and, and being the one that he had to fall on the sword, unfortunately. And I hate that. And I hope that some NFL owner, I wish I owned the NFL team right now, I'll sign him today. But I think my voice and, and what I do in my community and what I stand for, um, I don't think that I have to show you guys more by getting on a knee. The people that's trying to divide us they are the ones who are trying to say that is a disrespect to the military families and to the people who served our country. It is not about that. He doesn't understand the power that he has for being the leader of this beautiful country. He doesn't understand how many kids no matter the race, look up, to, look up to the President of the United States for, for guidance, for leadership, for, for words of encouragement. He doesn't understand that. My calling is much bigger than that guy. I don't even like saying his name. I will lend my voice. I will lend my passion. I will lend my money. Um, I will lend my resources to my youth and, and my inner city and outside of my inner city to let these kids know that, you know, there is hope, there is uh, there's greater walks of life, and not one individual, no matter if it's the president of the United States or if it's someone in your household, can stop your dreams from becoming a reality. LeBron was also asked if there was a positive in all this, and he said, absolutely, the conversation that is happening. Things are being said. Mm -hmm. I think it does a disservice to the term conversation to say that's what's going on, because in order to have a conversation, it's not about people listening. I'm not going to throw that cliche out there because there's certain things people are going to be dug in on and uncompromising on. 
we're not even talking about the same thing. Like, we're still stuck in a year ago talking about the quote-unquote appropriate time and place and whether the anthem is the appropriate time and place to protest. And worse, we're talking about the guy in the White House, which is exactly what he wants. He's getting the attention that he wants. He's managed to once again make it about him. And instead of talking about the actual issues or the actual cause, we're talking about him and still debating the flag and the anthem. So there's no conversation being had, as far as I can see. No, because the conversation does imply listening, and it does imply you bringing a level of understanding and perspective. And a great word I like to use, empathy. You have to want to put yourself in the other person's shoes in order to understand where they're coming from. And I do see a lot of people talking on both sides, but not exactly necessarily hearing one another. And that's why LeBron is in such a unique position. And I have to say... I never would have imagined or guessed in my lifetime that I would see an athlete of his stature, of his power. I mean, we're talking about one of the five most popular athletes in the world, the best player in the NBA, who today used Media Day, where he talked for almost a half hour just about the president of this country. Doesn't that speak to the person occupying the office more than anything? It speaks to the person, and it also speaks to the times that we're in, which are unusual for all of us, because... As much as, and we'll get to what happened in the NFL in, the, in a minute, there were a lot of things on the field of play that happened this weekend. And they were like the 40th most important thing because of all the chaos yeah. generated by the agent of chaos at times. So uh, for LeBron to sit there and use his voice, uh, it was just really powerful. And I, I know that the conversation isn't necessarily, it's necessarily supposed to be about him, but I'm going to make it about him. So people understand that that is to me, real leadership is that the people with the most who have the least to lose and they still put themselves on the line anyway uh, to give people who don't have as much. You know, LeBron's work in the community speaks for itself. What he's tried to do to educate the next generation of people. So it's not just what he's accomplishing through works. It's what he is accomplishing with his mouth because that is equally as powerful to make people understand that he won't be silenced regardless of all these things that he, quote, has to lose because he doesn't. He's in a unique position, and the fact that he's seizing this opportunity to be heard I think is special, and we need to understand that. No question, and, you know, we're going to get much deeper into this as the show goes on. right around 6.30 or so, we'll revisit this from a deeper level. I just want to say, I think one thing we got to do, and Pop spoke to this frustration and other comments that we haven't aired yet, but one thing we got to do is, is stop, with, stop looking at this president with an expectation. The reason why people, I, I wish I could say I were disappointed. A lot of people say, oh, I'm disappointed. I'm di- why? Disappointment implies you, get, you expect something different from him. How many times does a duck have to quack before you call it a duck? How many dog whistles does he have to blow before people realize who and what he actually is or what he does or does not stand for. This, this is who you elected. And it's not about, he wasn't speaking to that crowd in Alabama. He was speaking for them. He speaks for a lot of people. So we're gonna, we're gonna leave it there for now. We got a lot to cover, a lot of layers to this, but let's keep it moving on to the NFL. Now, as you mentioned, what started all this was the president making inflammatory remarks at an Alabama rally about NFL players who have demonstrated during the national anthem, which led to massive player protests across the NFL on Sunday. The Steelers were one of three teams who remained off the field during the anthem, with the exception of Pittsburgh player Alejandro Villanueva, a former army, excuse me, a former army ranger who served in Afghanistan, who instead appeared in the tunnel with his hand over his heart. Now, today, Ben Roethlisberger said the Steelers should have approached things differently. I wish 
that we would have been on the field. Um, that's just my personal feeling on it. I'm, I'm entitled to that opinion. That's what's great about this country and what the troops are for. Um, I, I wish we could have stood out there, but what was important was being united as well. And that's what we showed. We showed unity um, because that's what we need in this country right now. There's so much division. We need to stay together. And, um, you know, so all in all, that's what, what, what we stood for. Now, Villanueva, he's since apologized. He said, unfortunately, I threw my teammates under the bus unintentionally every single time I see that picture of me standing by myself I feel embarrassed because supposedly this was something the Steelers had all agreed to as a team Saturday night and Mike Tomlin his uh his whole rationale with this was so that nobody whether you you knelt whether you stood whether however you chose to honor the anthem during that time nobody would be under scrutiny so he wanted the Steelers to stay off the field so uh, I'm glad that he said it because I certainly didn't want to, given the service he's provided to this country. But it looked and appeared a little more selfish, and I think he wanted it to come off. So I'm glad he cleared that up. But nevertheless, this speaks to the complicated nature yeah. of this issue. We mentioned a second ago you said about conversations being had. We saw this united front from the NFL. United, I'm going to put in quotes. Mm-hmm. But is it all just a front I think in general? it absolutely is. And and while there may have been some miscommunication or mix-up when it comes to the Steelers, um, I don't want to say the damage, but the, the damage is done. And there's a reason why Alejandro Villanueva's jersey has been the hottest seller over the last 24 hours. Um, you look at what Derek Wolf of the Broncos had to say. Uh, you look at the reaction that the Patriots got, including from former Patriot Matt Light. Let's go back to Trump's comments for a second, all right? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And the essence of what he said, there's a lot of people that agree with him around the country and in NFL locker rooms. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of owners who agree with him. See, his appeal, because I've tried to process what his appeal is to a certain segment of our population. His appeal is that people live vicariously through him. Like he's able to say things in a way that they would love to be able to say. Many times, and just to interrupt real quickly, in fact, on 60 Minutes, Oprah had her first uh, her first special for 60 Minutes, and she talked to people who voted in the election in her terms of how they feel now. And one of the things one of the gentlemen said was that he liked Trump because he says all the things that we say. He's a straight shooter. Mm-hmm. He's a straight shooter. So it really was he went too far for the NFL's liking when he said when he called them out of their names and, and, and disrespected their mothers and said fire. Them. But the overall sentiment of disrespecting our flag I think there was some emphasis put on our flag intentionally. Our flag, not your flag, our flag. See, we're talking about not my president. He makes it clear that he's not our president, okay? Or not everybody's president. But, we, but when, he talk, when he said those things, I think there were a lot of owners that agree with him. But the NFL, as usual, they know, they know how to come together as a team when it comes to uniting against a common enemy. And when he went at the NFL and the integrity of the NFL, it was natural for them to come together and, 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 and put up displays of, of unity. But cause that's benign. That's harmless. Everybody can, everybody can, can embrace standing. It's not about unity. It's about inequality. So what the league did, as usual, in my opinion, was for PR and optics. Because the, peop, the owners that got down, some of the owners, several of them that got down there and locked arms with their players, had already put their money where their mouths are. They had already helped to get him elected. They would already supported him. And so now you're telling me, him, him calling your players, your partners ostensibly, out of their names, him saying fire them, which 
Some of you probably would if you could, if it weren't a violation of the First Amendment, because you've already collectively fired Colin Kaepernick for doing the same thing. Or if you thing. didn't need them if you to didn't keep your business Exactly, going. to keep your business going. Him doing that just went too far for them. So they had to circle the wagons, if you will. They had to unite and present a united front. But I think the Steelers' complications and some of the statements that have been made by individual players, I think that speaks to the fact that there's a lot of disagreement and dissension internally. But they know how to step up together when in the same uniform and lock arms. And even that stepping up together seemed a little bit shallow and not... You know why it's shallow? Because they ain't trying to get into these waters. No. They're not really trying to get into these deep and muddy waters. And that's why many of their statements were just milk toast to me. Um, there were a few that certainly stood out. The Bills, Robert Kraft, the fact that he's made no secret of the, of, of the fact that he's friends with Trump. And uh, he came out with a strong statement that where he you know, clearly explained where he stood. You mentioned about the appeal of this of this president. So here's the thing. When he was speaking to that group in Huntsville, what he didn't say, and it's been a racial dog whistle often used, mm-hmm. is that was not those comments about SOBs, they weren't directed at Tom Brady, okay? Because what the real, when you peel away all the later layers, this was about what has commonly been a, a tension point, especially when you're trying to create racial resentment, as he's been an expert at doing, is this is the low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. of multimillionaire black athletes because he made sure to kind of paint a certain picture with, right. with that description, all right? making them seem as if they were somehow ungrateful. The right. tone of it was, right, is that we gave you this life. How right. dare you right. disrespect our, our way of life right. and our, our flag. Right. And we Although have, you can walk around with all the Confederate flags. Oh, that's, that's not disrespectful. Not to at all. Stripes. So bring that same energy when you're talking about hurricane recovery. I need you to bring that same energy when you're denouncing Nazis. But then again, that would be against his nature. So I say all that to say is that that is and this was an interesting tweet I came across from Jim Acosta, CNN correspondent. He tweeted that the president is winning a culture war, just made millionaire sport athletes his HRC, as in Hillary Rodden Clinton. Again, the correction underlying is millionaire black athletes. All right. Um, Because for sure, when it's it's by no mistake that his criticism was aimed at Steph Curry, that it that he came for the NFL. And my disappointment with the NFL is that you can lock arms now. This is what I always tell people about. But be careful about what side of history you're on and when you're on it, because these moments to be courageous, they never come at a time of convenience. Right, where they, was everybody a week ago? Where was everybody when Colin Kaepernick is looking for a job? Yeah. So you can stand together now, and these statements look great, and the yeah. NFL, everybody's rah rah today. You know what the biggest statement would have would have been? You wouldn't have needed to line up with your players if Colin Kaepernick had a job. And much to illustrate about being on the wrong side of history and how it can look years later, I found something interesting. This is a Gallup poll done in 1961 um, about the Freedom Riders, you know, the civil rights activists that went throughout the South uh, to protest against segregated uh, bus terminals. 61% of this country disapproved with what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, 22% approved, 18% had no opinions. In terms of sit-ins and, and, dem- and other demonstrations, these people were asked, does it help or hurt Negroes' chance of integration in the South? 57% said it hurts. Now, when it came to civil rights and that being passed and whether or not these demonstrations helped Negroes, because right. this was the language, 85% said it hurt. So all these people that want to talk about protesting the right way and we have to find a way in unity and, and, and to stick together, yes, that's true. But what are you unifying against See, that's the thing is like we've forgotten all this is what Colin Kaepernick was really protesting, which was 
the police treatment uh, of, yeah. of African-Americans, of people of color by the police, right. criminal justice reform. Can we get on that page? Because a lot of them are not even on that page. Before we turn the page, you're absolutely right about the racist language, because then he comes out today and says, I never said anything about race, which is rule number one in racism 101, to say that you never brought up race, even though you blew the dog whistle. We, again, more on this later on. The exact details have not been worked out yet, but multiple sources told ESPN's Todd Archer uh, that sources told, oh, excuse me, that the Cowboys Leadership Council, which includes more than a dozen players, they met Sunday night. And then the Cowboys met as a team. No general consensus was reached during those meetings as to what they should or should not do when it comes to a joint demonstration. Lisa Salters, what more can you tell us? Jamel, Michael, what I can tell you is that the two teams still don't know yet what they're going to do during the national anthem tonight. But what players and coaches from both sides have shared over the last few days is that they want to do something. And the hope is that they can do it together in a show of unity in response to the president's comments on Friday and throughout the weekend. Team leaders Larry Fitzgerald and Jason Witten were going to talk last night to try to come up with a plan. Whatever is ultimately decided, Witten told us he wants to show that despite all the things that may not be perfect about our country, football can rise above that. We are clear that we disagree with what the president said, Witten told us, but how do we show that? How does that look? We have to talk about it. And as far as I know, those talks are continuing even now. Guys, neither the Cardinals nor the Cowboys have ever had a player kneel or sit on the bench during the anthem over this past year. We'll see if that remains the case tonight. Probably seems that way. All right, on to some NBA. So there's a new look Oklahoma City Thunder, which includes Carmelo Anthony, who was traded to the Thunder over the weekend, which might have been the 25th most interesting thing that happened in sports over the last few days. Anyway, Melo was at OKC Media Day today discussing his role with his new team. How do you feel about the concept of starting at the four or even coming <laughs> off the bench? And the second question is... Well, me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that answers that part. I, I mean, I don't know where that started, where I came from. Uh, <laughs> hey, Peter, they said I got to come off the bench. <laughs> so, yeah, Hoodie Mello, Paul George, Andre Robertson, Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams. Paul George says it feels like a championship team. They got enough to challenge the Warriors. Well, I'll say this. I consider them a top or team in the West. Probably top three. They got on the limb there. All right, I know. Not not exactly a hot take. They're number two. They're number two over Houston, over San Antonio. Really? Wow. I, you seem to have the hot take here. I think they come together quicker than you think. I think okay. people that think Carmelo Anthony can't adjust this game, he absolutely can. I'm actually not worried about that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, because I think now that he has a different appreciation, I'm going to assume, for meaningful basketball. So I think we're going to see a lot more of what they call Olympic mellow. All right, buried in all the offseason NBA drama is what Melo's new teammate, Russell Westbrook, said that he still hasn't signed his contract extension. Uh, but now that the Thunder have Melo and Paul George, then surely Russ has got to sign now. Right, Russ? Will you sign your own uh, contract extension that's on the, oh, man. the beginning of the season? Man, it's been a long, long summer. Uh, had a baby. Um, so I've been working on a little fatherhood. Um, but like I said before, man, um, this is a place I want to be. Um, I love being here. I'm excited about the season. Uh, obviously, with a lot of new changes. And, um, you know, I'm excited. And from that, I'm going to leave it there. All right. All facts doesn't mean he's resigning, though. <laughs> you just, you're no, I'm serious. I, I'm not. Look, I, I don't want to make it seem 
as if he's definitely out the door. But I think this idea, Russ has benefited from, from KD leaving in the sense that he's been considered the loyal one, the one who stayed behind. But that, to me, has no effect or little impact on whether or not he decides to stay there. So the idea of whether he signs or not, to me, is actually besides the point. Because Stan Presley and the Thunder, they can look themselves in the mirror and say they went for it, did everything possible to prove that they can manage and, and, and cra- build a championship team, pulling off two miraculous trades that nobody could have seen coming, putting them in best position. I mean, look, they got $300 million payroll if they tried to bring them all back next year. The odds of them coming back are slim to none. So, so if he walks, experiment. they did their part in, in the whole matter. Now, earlier this afternoon, that's not a walk. That's they, a maybe they should have walked this guy. Aaron Judge, <laughs> he tied Mark McGuire's rookie record with his 49th home run of the season, a two-run blast to right in the third inning at Yankee Stadium. Then, just for good measure, Went ahead and broke the daggone thing. Broke the record for us later in the game with a solo shot to left in the bottom of the seventh. First Yankee with a 50-homer season since A-Rod in 2007. By the way, intern this year, McGuire was the only rookie in Major League history to reach 40 home runs in a season. And now it looks like two rookies could reach that mark in 2017. Cody Bellinger sitting on 39 with six games to go. Great season for Judge, rookie of the year, MVP runner-up. He's still giving it to Jose Altuve. Last night... Anything happen? I took a nap, so I missed uh, I missed the news. <laughs> Where you been at? Well, it was a heck of a weekend. Ooh, a lot of emotions. Okay. Ask me the same questions you asked me 15 years ago. Well, me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, we're trying to win a championship here. I don't have time to give advice to other guys. I am so thrilled to be here. When I get in the car, I'm dad. I'm a wife. I mean, I'm a husband. Ooh, I'm tripping. I was about to say, I have a wife. I have a wife. Am I allowed to say that? Is, is that tampering? It's like sixth grade. We're going to go around the room. and What was your summer vacation? What did you do? Hey, P, they said I got to come off the bench. <laughs> if my son went to another team and we was playing against each other, I'm not giving him shit. <laughs> a lot of answers at today's NBA Media Days, but we still got questions. So many questions. We're going to bring in our intrepid. Dedicated NBA reporters who are attending today's media days. Look at that, five wide. And Brian Windhorst, we start with you and the Cavs. All right, uh, with a healthy Isaiah Thomas, maybe D-Wade's on the way. Does this have the potential to be the best team LeBron has had as a Cavalier? You know, Jamal, I can't say the best team, but I will say this. It's going to be the deepest team. This is definitely across the board uh, at every position. Remember how the Cavs were called top-heavy by LeBron? They're not top-heavy. They're square across the board. But he is really focused on this season. He said he just had the best offseason he's had in years. He was reinvigorated by going to his kids' games. Remember those videos you saw of him going crazy? It got him re-energized in basketball, he said. Well, I think you're going to see the product on the court. And without Kyrie and with Isaiah Thomas injured, you could see LeBron James re-enter the MVP race early in the season if I believe what I hear from him. All right, Wendy, way to bring it. Jeff Goodman, you up next uh, with the Celtics with only four players remaining on the roster from last season. How much of an adjustment period should we expect from Brad Stevens and the Celtics? You know, think about this, guys. Marcus Smart is the longest-tenured Boston Celtic right now, and he's going into year four. So it's going to take some time. I mean, they added Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, uh, Jason Tatum's going to play big minutes. Jalen Brown's going to get extensive role. So it's going to take time, especially on the defensive end, where they've still got to figure things out after losing Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. Marcus Morris isn't even with the team right now because he's dealing with it with a court case right now in Arizona. So this Celtics team, Brad Stevens has the task of trying to gel them and gel them fairly quickly. 
All right, thanks, Jeff, for the info. Now, Ian Begley, we go to you. You were at Knicks Media Day. Uh, let me ask you, now that you don't have Melo to cover this season, is Chris Stapps Porzingis, is he ready to be the face of the Knicks franchise? He's mentally ready, Jamel, which I think is important. And physically, he's making progress towards being that guy. But the biggest thing here is he will have time to go through growing pains as the number one option with the Knicks because there are zero expectations for this team now that Carmelo is not here. For the last two seasons, I think management, namely Phil Jackson, was caught between the timelines of Carmelo Anthony and Kristaps Porzingis. But now with Melo in Oklahoma City, every decision management makes will be viewed through the prism of Kristaps Porzingis and his future. So the Knicks are looking at this thing as in the big picture, and they're looking at Kristaps Porzingis as their leader, and he says he's ready. Fresh start in New York. All right, Royce, so... Hypothetically speaking, if the Thunder were to bring back their big three, you're talking about $300 million when you add payroll and luxury tax. We were talking earlier about the curious non-answer Russell Westbrook gave to the extension question earlier. So what are the chances that none of the big three, Westbrook, George, or Carmelo, is on the Thunder roster after this season? Michael, I'm going to put that answer at slim or very slim. Look, if you talk to most people around the team, around the league, they believe Russell Westbrook's going to sign this extension before October 16th. A lot of people believe this sooner than later. Um, you, you look at what Westbrook said today. Yeah, there's a couple different reads you could take on that. But a lot of what it was is that Russell Westbrook's a busy man. He does thing on, things on his own time. As we all know, Russell Westbrook does what he wants. And it was going to take getting back into camp, getting back into Oklahoma City, walking through those doors, and actually making that decision. You know, one, one thing that's been suggested to me, Michael, if you're Russell Westbrook, if, and you're going to say no to the biggest contract extension in NBA history, don't you say it in August or July? Do you really show up in September right before the Thunder start this big season with Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, and do you really walk in the building and pop that balloon and deflate all the momentum they have? It seems like an unlikely proposition for a guy that is, is paraded around really kind of proclaiming, proclaiming himself the leader of this franchise. Well put. All right, uh, Stefano Fuzaro, you were at the Rockets Media Day. Uh, what's the Rockets' reaction to not being able to swing a deal for Carmelo Anthony? Well, of course, we know that the Rockets were heavily involved in those discussions for Carmelo Anthony earlier this summer. Uh, but I did speak to several sources in the organization that actually told me that those negotiations got as close as actually locking down a third team to facilitate that trade, moving Carmelo from uh, New York to Houston. Obviously, at the end of the day, that third team decided to back out. Now, Rockets GM Daryl Morey uh, refused to confirmed that report earlier today in media day but he did express that both parties really were motivated to get that deal done earlier in the summer now of course one of carmelo's best friends uh is the newest rocket here chris paul and he all he did today was really support his friend told us that he sent a text message congratulating him on his move to okc now of course he would have loved to have played ball with his fellow banana boat buddy here in Houston, but he maintains the, his confidence that this team, as currently constructed, is ready to take on some of the top teams in the West, mainly the Golden State Warriors. All right, the West is going to be something special this year. So is QTNA. Nice job, guys. We all feel a lot smarter around here. The only thing I'm upset about is that he took a lot of the DNA and the blueprints now to Boston. That's the only thing I'm upset about, really. Other than that, I mean, I wish the kid... Wish the kid great health, um, and uh, the kid wanted to do what was best for his, uh, I guess, for his career. I tried to do whatever I could, just try to help the kid be as great as he could be or as great as he wanted to be, and, uh, you know, and that's it. 
Yeah, let's just go ahead and leave that in the past, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Everybody move on. I don't think they'll be talking it out anytime soon. Uh, what the hell happened to the Raiders last night? <laughs> Could it be that they are not as good as we thought they are? Or were? Uh, I am going to leave this, Mike. Okay. Uh, you know that I was super high on the Raiders, so I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon now. Look, I, I think more credit goes to Washington. That front, oh, we are looking at that front seven, to play. they played dynamic. Yeah. And they pushed the Raiders around, and we're not accustomed to seeing that happen to their offensive line. And beast mode was no mode last night. So I think more credit deserves to them. Uh, I don't want to blame it on the cross-country thing. I'm just going to no, say they've it done was, well on this They have. I'm just going to say it's a bad night of football, and Washington was just that much I'm better. actually take it because they were a Super Bowl contender and the best team in that division, and they're still good. They had a bad night, but they're still good. But the Chiefs are the best team in that division, even yeah. minus Eric Berry. So that's, that's my takeaway from the weekend when it comes to the AFC West. They still could put three playoff teams in there, but you saw a lot of undisciplined play on the part of the Raiders, particularly on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive line. They got, they'll have better days. And then the Broncos obviously didn't get it done in Buffalo. But two road games. So those teams will bounce back for the Chiefs class of that division. Meanwhile, Richard Sherman. This is not the kind of hat trick you're looking for with three flags on one play, wiping out that Cam Chancellor interception. Seahawks, one and two after taking the L from the Titans. So is something really wrong with the Seahawks? Take it yeah, away. I'm taking this. Um, look, as much has been pointed at the offense, deservedly so, uh, because of how they've sputtered the first couple games of the season. I'm not sure the offense was the problem. No, we were just talking last week about we it's all on us. Correct. And they said yeah. that. And maybe that was part of why I, I, I know that's how that team rolls. Mm-hmm. But just be careful about what you say, because you're you're one game away from a performance like that. It wasn't just Richard Sherman. That whole defense was just out of whack. Yeah, I'm going to take it as well, because the some of the just the open field runs for DeMarco Murray and Rashard Matthews. That's just like like, is that Seattle they're playing yeah. against? They got More pushed tackling. around, like not tackling, you know, not being the more physical team on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Russell, Russell Wilson. Still got his, but they just could not stop a nosebleed yesterday. So I'm going to take it for right now. Doesn't mean they can't figure this thing out. Yeah, but it's going to be tough. Um, all right, Des Bryant and the Cowboys getting ready for tonight's Monday night football matchup against the Cardinals. Be interesting to see if anyone makes a statement, given everything that happened over the NFL over the weekend. Here's a look at some of the voices speaking out as of late. We felt like President Trump's speech was, a, was an assault, you know, on our most cherished right. Um, freedom of speech and uh, collectively we felt like we had to you know do something I think it's very unbecoming of the office of the president of the United States to talk like that to degrade people like that but as it pertains to the national anthem I will always feel that if you are an American that the national anthem is the opportunity for us all to stand up together to be unified and to show respect for our country I know that most good things come out of love and um, respect and compassion and unifying people. Um, And most bad things come out of hate and dislike and deceit. And um, hopefully we could sort of focus on the above, not the below. I salute Colin Kaepernick for being as powerful as he was and, and being the one that he had to fall on the sword, unfortunately. And I hate that. And I hope that some NFL owner, I wish I owned the NFL team right now, I'll sign him today. We can continue to bounce our heads off the wall with his conduct. Or we can decide that the institutions of our country are more important, that people are more important, 
that the decent America that we all thought we had and want is more important and get down to business at the grassroots level and do what we have to do. Yeah, you do yourself a favor and either go listen to Pop's mm-hmm. comments in full or read Pop's comments in full because he touches on the issues of privilege that we need to actually be discussing. Pop's not afraid to go there. We didn't play it just now, but for your own good. Mm-hmm. He breaks down white privilege, something serious, the only way that Pop can. Ryan Clark is here. Jamel and I were talking about this earlier. Um, this moment, let's just call this weekend a moment. Mm-hmm. Was it a, a, a turning point or was it just that as in a moment? Where do we go from here? Um, I think we actually took a step back. Yesterday, I was excited because I felt like teams came together and and made a decision based off of love and support for one another. And then you start to listen to the comments. You start to see some of the things that happened after. Drew Brees, to me, sounded like Donald Trump. When Donald Trump was talking about the events in Charlottesville, he didn't condemn them. He didn't see disgust in in, in, in talking about them. They were very fine people on both sides. Drew Brees immediately switched from speaking about Trump's comments to the way in which people protest, because that's the thought. And that's what they want to focus on. That's the what the detractor wants us to look at. You see, Ben Roethlisberger comes out today and says, I hope next week that, that we're standing and we're doing these things because people didn't come out last week to back those who are fighting for inequality, who are fighting for equality. They didn't back those who are fighting for unification, who are fighting for equal treatment. They just wanted to back the shield. The shield was attacked. So they said, "Okay, let us go out here and protect our brand because he got challenged. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't. the, The competitor in them came out to protect their game, not their people. He didn't say you couldn't stand arms locked. Standing up arms locked with with Tom Brady, who's a Trump supporter, with working for Robert Kraft, that isn't a continued protest. That isn't a step forward. That's submission. That's it's not uncomfortable. That's compromise. Yeah. And that's what he wanted you to do. The president wanted you to compromise your beliefs and your thoughts for his. And I feel like he won. And at first I was like, oh, I'm excited. Some people did some things. But now when you hear the comments, when you hear the reasoning, we have not moved toward the conversation that Colin Kaepernick started protesting for us to have. Yeah, because if we were really there then it wouldn't have taken the president to say those things about the NFL for them to respond. I was disappointed as soon as the flurry of statements started to come Mm -hmm. from different teams and owners. Uh, The NFLPA, I thought they had a strong statement, as well as the Buffalo Bills, a a couple other individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, But you look look at Washington's statement, what are you talking about? You look at Jerry Richardson, what he said, one of the last owners. Uh, I just what, but who are you talking about in some cases? Right, because in many of the statements, they didn't name who, and they didn't name the what. They continue to, as often is the case, focus on what they're doing into the the community. community. And that's not to belittle what athletes do in the community. They've always been community-focused and community-minded. You know this better than I do, Ryan. They're good men in the NFL. So that's not the problem. The problem is the level of discomfort that was created by Colin Kaepernick's original protest. That was about Tamir Rice. That was about Freddie Gray. That was about Mike Brown. Okay, and that's what they don't want to talk about. And in order for us to ever arrive at some common ground in this conversation, Mm -hmm. you have to acknowledge that before you can get to the point of Absolutely. What was done yesterday was a lot of football decisions being made. Yes. You know, you, we talked about this off camera. It's like, hey, we're going to be a team. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let this divide us. For like purposes. what you said. You said you talked to do that anyway. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you know that. Like, yeah. you guys are taught to be one and the same, and that's why Alejandro Villanueva is apologizing because he put himself above the team. As much as his service is respected, he separated himself from the group, which is a big no-no. So everything that was done yesterday or over the weekend was about let's, let's rally the troops. Let's come together because we've been challenged. Our manhood, our, our principle has been challenged by somebody who can only think in terms of profit. Right. All this president knows is how to fire people. You know, he doesn't he, know anything about that. He, 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 they stood up to somebody who doesn't stand for anything. But the one thing I want to ask you, though, Ryan, real quick before you jump back in is, look, is it possible that they could make this decision to join in this movement and have, and even no matter how they got to it, whether it was emotional, whether it was just on the defensive, no matter how they got to it, would they, I, I'm, the optimist in me wants to hope that they're willing to stick with it. Because here's the, here's the thing. Since we can't get past the flag right. and the anthem and what it means and whether or not it's disrespectful to the military or, or the country at large, since we can't get past that. And what the president acknowledged was that it bothers people. It offends them. Maybe the only way to actually make progress, because we notice about any kind of protest, it's got to be uncomfortable. It's got to cause an inconvenience. Yes. It's got to it's got to cause a disruption. So if it's enough of a disruption to anger fans enough to start to hurt the wallets of the owners, then maybe we could actually get somewhere. You know, I think I like what what the NBA did. Uh, Obviously, we had LeBron. You had. D-Wade, CP3, stand up at the ESPYs and get an opportunity to talk. But Adam Silver embraced them. So you don't have to see the number of protests from the NBA guys because they are getting cooperation. They are getting those conversations. If the NFL thinks this is a problem, if President Trump thinks this is a problem because you are protesting, why not say this? Instead of you protesting, let's have some conversation. Let's have some meetings. Let's talk about it. You don't need to protest anymore because you now have our ear and that's the owners and that's the commissioner and that's the president. If you want that to stop, then have some progress on the other side. That's what Malcolm, uh, uh, Malcolm, the player for the Philadelphia, Malcolm Malcolm Jacobs, sorry, forgot his last name. That's why they put together that memo because they Mm -hmm. wanted to put the NFL in that position. So they had to respond to some action by saying, okay, here's a detailed plan. Here it is. You know, where they're inviting them to yes. the conversation. And I'm just really curious where that goes now that all of this is I just happened. hope it's not a one-off. Well, my, fe- a, my fear is that it is a one-off. Well, the thing is, next week when, when, when everybody stands up, when a lot of those guys that sat down uh, aren't still challenged by Trump, is that still uncomfortable? Do you care enough mm-hmm. to make a move going forward? Can you forward? still deal with the booze yes. and the people right. telling you to stand? Appreciate you, brother, Thank always. You. Let's go to Detroit and your Lions. Um, the Lions thought they beat the Falcons when Golden Tate scored with eight seconds left. I don't know if there was nothing. But it was ruled that. short of the goal line after review, ah. after which resulted in a 10-second runoff. Ball game. And then they against all the injury, they flew, got caught on fire. <laughs> right. That's the most Lions loss of, of all time. Did they at least win your respect? They did. They Thank did. You. The Lions, the Lions are a good team. They're a good team. I said That's it. all I wanted from you. They're a good That's team. That's all I wanted from you. And the Falcons, maybe they should be one and two. Who knows? Did Von Miller deserve an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on third down the fourth quarter, which allowed the Bills to extend their drive to the make it a two possession game? I, come on, man. I thought we were, I thought we were, we were past this, officials. We we're loosening up a little bit. And they, they were both laughing. It wasn't celebration. They called it taunting. Like, I mean, it wasn't quite Marcus Cooper coming up short and, you know. Bumming out of the end zone over the Bears one, but still. He, he took the blame, Von did. Uh, this one they were Odell right. said, I'm not changing. This is they were right to flag this one. Caught his first touchdown pass of the season. A sportsmanlike conduct penalty followed. He said, I'm a dog. Yeah. Right? Here's Odell speaking for himself. I was in the end zone. I scored a touchdown. I'm a dog. 
so I acted like a dog. I didn't know if the rule book said can't hike your leg. Um, he said I peed on somebody, so I was I was trying to find the imaginary ghost that I peed on, um, but I didn't see him. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> like we get it, but that was, no. that was a little too much. That, that was, was too much. Okay. So there's a theory floating around that maybe he was doing that because the president called them SOBs, but I'm not. Uh, no. Yes. That's a Give bad a look for him. That's a, a bad look for him. Um, and at some point, you know, GM said, to grow up, man, you gotta grow up. Some amazing catches he made, though. Yeah. Right, before we call it a day, tell our people we had a good day. Shout out to my Spartans. That's right, the Michigan State women's volleyball team. They took down number one Minnesota, snapping the Golden Gophers 40-match home winning streak. This comes on the heels of the Spartans taking down number five Wisconsin on Friday. Congratulations, but. Is it because the football team See, can't? You know I, what? We uh-huh. have reached See, we I know disrespect. I'm just saying, okay, it's Talk football team. Anyway, good day for Colts team. fans. Chuck Pagano says there's a possibility that Andrew Luck could start practicing this week as he still waits to be cleared by doctors. Jacoby Brissetto looked pretty good in beating the Browns. Poor Browns. Just got their first win. <laughs> All right, that's <laughs> it for the six. Hey, we are back on E1 tomorrow. We missed a lot of things today. We got 90 minutes tomorrow. So we'll make up for it. Six. So it's the best 90 minutes of your day tomorrow. More Sports Center next. We'll see you tomorrow on E1. Thank you.